I decided to bring the cane up in honor of uh, me being officially old. I'm officially a golden buckeye today. And uh, actually, my 50th birthday, my wife uh, did a surprise birthday party. And my brother shows up, and uh, man, he had everything that someone of my age would need. And one of them was, you know, a walker, canes, you name it, it was there. So, and so if he's watching today, because I know sometimes he does watch, here I got my cane for you, for you, brother. So I'll just put this up here. All right. And uh, anyway, so what I want to do is today we're going to conclude our series on holiness. Uh, we've been on it for probably a good uh, uh, month. Uh, we've been talking about what it is. Uh, we've been talking about how uh, the Holy Spirit's involvement in holiness. And today we're going to conclude on what you can do about it. See, that's the key, what you can do about it. See, it's, uh, it just doesn't come by happenstance. Uh, you've got a desire and you've got to uh, work towards it uh, with the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, nothing comes just because. You, you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be an N NFL player and, and go out there and, 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 and play and, and win. It, it just doesn't happen. Um, I, when, I was, when I was in high school and wrestling, uh, we would always have conditioning before we started wrestling. And, and they always said it was one week of practice for every one minute you were on the mat. And I remember that because when we'd always have our first uh, wrestling meet, it's like we only had like uh, four or five weeks of practice. And, and then that next, uh, you know, you, you were on the mat for so many minutes and then the last couple minutes you're dying out there because you're not conditioned. And that's kind of where, uh, where we need to be in our Christian walk. Uh, we're not going to be victorious if we just stand up there and say, hey, I'm going to be a wrestler today. Ta-da, here I go. Yeah, and then you see, you know, these big hulky guys coming and get you. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about your responsibility in, in holiness. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different uh, passages of scripture as it relates to that. However, and I did not mark this in your notes, nor have I put it up here. Romans chapter 8 is an excellent chapter when it deals with holiness. And so you might want to go and, and, and read that a particular passage later on. All right, so there's a there's a movie I like to watch. It's an older movie, <laughs> not for me, but it, it's an older movie. And uh, what it is, it's called The Amazing Grace Story. Amazing Grace Story. I don't know if you remember it. Probably, might be about 10, 15 years old. It's about a man named William Wilberforce. Now, William Wilberforce was uh, an English parliamentarian. He was born in 1759. And he spent 40 years in Parliament. And he was the one that was responsible for outlawing slavery in, in the English colonies. Up until that time, they had slavery like, like we did. And so for 40 years, he fought and fought and fought in Parliament for uh, slavery to be outlawed. And it wasn't until uh, July 29th, July 26th, 1833, did slavery, the uh, Slavery Abolition Act was finally passed, outlawing slavery in, in any of the colonies of England. And a year later is when it was enacted. What was interesting about this is William Wilberforce was, um, uh, he, he, he fought for 40 years in Parliament. 40 years. 
of constantly bringing it up over and over and over again until finally the attitude of Parliament actually changed. And then it was passed, and then he died on July 29, 1833, three days after it passed. Now, the reason why I like this story is because it encourages me. When, when you're working towards something and you know that something's wrong or, or, or you're trying to really influence people, sometimes it just takes a very, very, very long time. And here's an individual that for 40 years was in Parliament and finally it passed and then he died three days later. One of his mentors, by the way, was a man named John Newton. Anybody know who John Newton is? He wrote a song that is sung many times. Anybody know what it is? The, the song is Amazing Grace. And John Newton, as many of you know, was a slave ship captain that gave his life to the Lord and changed his life and uh, renounced uh, slavery and actually worked against it. So Wilberforce was a man that changed history. However, what's not talked about much about Wilberforce was that he was an evangelical Christian and he was obsessed with one quality in his life and that quality was holiness. He was obsessed with being holy before God and we know that because we have his writings and in his writings he wrote stuff like I am going to look at my day and, and I'm going to write down everything that I happened in my day with God's mercies and when I have failed him. So he was obsessed with it. He even wrote one time in his journals, he says, he said something to, the, uh, something to the effect of, I spoke evil of someone today and I regret it. Boy, can we do that? He wrote, I fully hope to write down every night whether I have been faithful to my Lord, of whether in course of that day I have in my instance clearly transgressed. He wrote down the chief mercies of God that day and the chief operations of God. He wrote down the list of the day's troubles, failures, evils, sufferings, his temptations, and his sins that he committed. He wrote down his behaviors that glorified God and advanced the gospel. Oh, if we could do that. Or if we would. See, holiness is something we don't talk about much in the church anymore. And I think we need to. Because not only are we called to be born again, we are also called to be holy. Just like a bride, when he comes before the groom, takes special care of herself, so should we present ourselves to God as a holy bride as well. Many of us remember the day in which we married our spouse. I joke about it, and it is true, I had pneumonia. I was supposed to be in the hospital, but I, I was not going to give up on that day. No way. But one of the things that happened in our house was I received a phone call after the, after the uh, rehearsal dinner. Polly went home to Toledo, and I lived in Kunkel, Ohio. Kunkel, Ohio is straight north, literally just straight north of here. 
uh, five miles south of Michigan. And uh, Polly calls me up. She's crying. I go, what's going on? She goes, I broke a fingernail. Because she wanted to be perfect. And so if you look at our wedding photos even today, you'll see that there's a flower over this finger. Because she couldn't be perfect. Oh, if we could have that attitude when it relates to our Lord. For us to understand that God wants us to present ourselves to Him. That He is Lord. He is the bridegroom. And we need to prepare ourselves to stand before Him as the perfect bride of Christ. We are called to be holy. So what is holiness? Well, holiness is the moral and spiritual separation for God. Where you separate yourself morally from the world for God. Now, what I'm not talking about us is being Amish. I'm not talking about that. That we are so isolated that we go back to the 18th century. But I am talking about the fact that we are called to be separate from the world and different. People need to see Jesus in us. And that comes from being morally separate from the world. Because we have the world right now that wants us to follow them in many different ways. Constantly saying, if you just do this, church, if you just do this, just, then we're going to like you. Well, that doesn't happen. Because I tell you, the church in some areas has, um, has compromised with the world, and the world still hates the church. But we are called to be separate. People need to see Jesus in us, and they need to see difference in us from the world. Because what we're finding out, as people are finding out, is literally that the world is not giving us what it promised. The next word is sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which we become holy. And that's where the Holy Spirit is working in your life to bring out things that might be impure and bring out things to cause you to um, think about your, your holiness. Or exposing things or making you feel guilty. You know, that, that can be a good thing, by the way. We talked about that last week, where the conscience is a good thing. It can be a negative, but mostly it's good because it keeps us on the straight and narrow. But sanctification is also a process by which we desire and we desire to be whole. And then, once again, that comes from many many uh, different aspects. One is the power of the Holy Spirit. We know uh, two weeks ago we just discussed that you cannot be holy unless you're born again. Uh, there are people who do good things. We know that. But the Bible says that you can do all the good you want, but if you don't have the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, it's like filthy rags. We, we found out that the Holy Spirit is involved with sanctification, brings us to Christ, but also involved with sanctification. And it's important to follow the Holy Spirit, even in the area of conscience. This week we want to talk about the Christian's involvement in, the Holy, in, in holiness. What must we do in our own life to be holy? So let's talk about it. The first one is we have to desire it. We have to desire it. you got to want it. 
Just like a, an alcoholic, they have to come think of rock bottom before they start looking up and say, I want to do something different. It just doesn't come just because. You've got a desire of holiness. And that's what Wilberforce was doing, is every day he would look at himself and he'd say, did I do anything that brought dishonor to the Lord? And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, make, merit, make every effort to live in peace and with everyone and to be holy. So what it is saying? Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So whoever wrote Hebrews, I think it was Paul, uh, wrote this and says, you need to make that effort as well. You just cannot have this dropped upon you. And one way we do that is according to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, of you of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul is saying in Romans that one way that you become holy is you become a living sacrifice for Jesus. Meaning everything belongs to him. Meaning my car belongs to him and he can use it any way he wants. My body belongs to him and I, I'm called to be holy with my body. My mind is to be holy. My children, I mean, all this is given back to God. But as I said, it just doesn't happen. You've got a desire that comes from your love of God and your oneness with him. But no one ever is given holiness just because you woke up in the morning. In the 1980s and 90s, there was a basketball player named Larry Bird. Who all knows Larry Bird. I knew it would be all of us gray hair people. But Larry Bird was from the great state of Indiana. Larry Bird had a work ethic about him that made him the best, one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. He would get up in the morning and every morning he would shoot 500 jump shots. 500. And then he would go to the, I can't ever say it, free throw line. And he would hit 99 free throws. Now, what he did is he would shoot, go in, shoot, he would go in, and if he missed one, he'd start all over again. And so he started shooting 99, maybe he had to do 500 of them, but he had to do 900, he had to do 99 free throws all in a row. And then when the NBA started with the three-point shots, see, he went through high school, he went through uh uh, college and part of his MBA career, real short part, uh, they did not have the three-point shooting. And so he didn't like it, but he knew he had to learn how to shoot from the three-point line. And so he went out and he learned how to do it and he became one of the best three-point shooters in the game. And I think, let me see if I got this, he's in the hall of frame, what's the percentage? Oh, I didn't write it down. I want to say he had a 40% free throw percentage. Three point percentage. Three point? Free throw would be terrible if it's 40%. Free throw. 
40% he's a basketball coach. Three, 40%? Three. When he said, I can't say, I got tongue tied. But the point is, is he just didn't wake up in the morning and say, here I am, NBA player, ta-da! He worked at it. And that's the same thing with our, with our spiritual walk. We just cannot get up in the morning and say, here I am, I'm holy, ta-da! No, we have to work at it. And so that's where we say we have to want it. And trust me. Being a living sacrifice, working towards hope, I would rather be that than anything else. As a pastor of 37 years, really, people are, one of the reasons why people are miserable is because they're fighting God's design for holiness. The next one is, one must be willing to give up their rights to make Jesus truly Lord. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. We don't understand that word in the United States. We fire our president every four or eight years. We know we can stand up and protest against the government. Back in Jesus' time, if you stood up against the government, you wouldn't be standing very long. And so we are called to make Jesus Lord, which means everything is His. It basically, the Lord means the one possessing power and authority and control over us. And yet in the United States, we don't like that at all. Don't you dare tell me that. You don't believe that. Ask anyone in authority. I have my will, my rights, my way. Don't tell me what to do. Hey, church, don't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just sharing what the Bible says. But always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to do suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So what Peter is saying is, is that if you do follow the Lord, you're going to pay some prices. But that's okay, because God is still Lord, and this is not our life eternity. It's, this is not our home eternity. I, I don't understand why things happen. I know God is sovereign. I know God is in control. Many times I, I stand up as a pastor in front of people who are grieving, and I just say, I don't have the answer. I don't know why. But we do have to trust that God is sovereign and God is in control, and Jesus is Lord. So if Jesus is Lord and he's in control of all things, that means we line our lives up in a way that brings him honor and glory. And how do we do that? It's called holiness. So we give up our rights, 
We shun sin, shun temptation, we yield to Christ, and we replace our rights with service to the king. Next one is, we must develop spiritual disciplines. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer, the closest to heaven you'll ever get in this life is in prayer. You know that? The closest to eternity in heaven, closest to God you'll ever get in this life is in prayer. So develop that time where you spend time with God in prayer. And Bible study, I mean, the Bible comes right out and says in Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you want to know what sin is, then you got to read the scriptures. And so I told you what my, uh, my, my um, uh, New Year's resolution is, and I'm doing pretty good at it. But my New Year's resolution is that I'm going to spend at least a half an hour, if not more, walking every day. And so if it's a really bad day, you'll see me in the morning in here, and I'm walking around in circles. And, uh, and while I'm doing that, I got the daily, body, daily audio Bible in my ear, and I'm listening to it. Now, I changed it from years past uh, to this year I'm doing chronological, which is fascinating. And it's because it's going in, uh, like, it'll go uh, Genesis chapter 1 to 11, and then it'll go to the book of Job, then it'll go in. It's just fascinating. So it's, it's, it's really neat listening to that. But... And, and then they'll get done, they'll have a time of prayer. It's one way to discipline myself there. Because it's, it's easy to lose that discipline. And, and so, it, it is that time of spiritual discipline where you're spending time praying and Bible study. The next one is, so I have to ask you that question is, how's your prayer life and how's your Bible study life? I will hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you, sin against God. One must develop a spiritual discipline of the fellowship of believers. We lost the uh, a number of people during the pandemic. And you cannot replace the fellowship of believers. The fellowship of believers is so important. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, when our time here at Tabor comes to an end, which it will someday, I mean, just the reality of life, we will not give up on the fellowship of believers. We will be in the fellowship of believers. When we go on vacation, we always find a fellowship of believers. It is the funnest thing in the world to go to another church and to sit down and know you're never coming back. And so you get the pastor from other, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Hey, where are you from? I'm from Ohio and I'm never coming back ever again. He looks at me and says, no, let me explain this. And I don't do it that way. But I just say, you know, I said, I just want to let you know, I thank you for the time. And, it, and you, we get in some good churches where everybody's surrounding us because we're all, uh, we're all the bride of Christ. And I've been in some churches like, hello, Woo! I'm here I am. I've been in both. I brought ideas back. You mean, this came from another church. The candy came from another church. Let's all bring ideas back. 
But there's also time I need to stop and I need to be in the fellowship believers and I need to sit. Um, it was Janelle was commenting on my grandkids and how they're running around here. He goes, now I know where you where they get it from because you know they everybody sees me, I can't sit still very often. You know? But it's nice to be able to sit and be with fellowship. Okay. You cannot iron sharpens iron. You're not going to get sharp sharpened. I, you're, you ain't going to get sharp on your own. You need the fellowship. And last night was a fellowship. Fun. Matthew chapter 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you also. The next one is, you need to listen and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's where the conscience comes in. Listen and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. John 16 says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, somebody's on our behalf, the Holy Spirit's on our behalf, will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to be with you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Romans chapter 12, we already said this. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. The Holy Spirit tests and approves what God's will is. It's good and pleasing well. The last one is this. We must purposely separate ourselves from temptations from sin. Now, I am not talking about Amish here. But I am saying, if you are struggling with a sin, what is bringing that temptation about? That's what you are to get rid of. See, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 18. He says, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Please don't do that. I've heard of individuals who've literally done that. That is not what Jesus, he's talking figuratively here. So please, don't go home. And say, Pastor said do this. No. What he's talking about here, if there's something that causes you to be tempted and you cannot overcome that temptation, get rid of that. So if you have problems with your computer, which let me be honest, guys, Statistics say there are people in there struggling with your computer. If you're struggling with the computer, then what you do is A, you get rid of it, or B, you put some uh, accountability software on there that tells everybody what you've been looking at. My kids knew, and my daughters here knew, they knew that I would go through the computer when they were growing up, and I would look for a couple things. What did they look at? And then if there was a big section there where they had gotten rid of the history, I knew that there was something that they were hiding. Parents, you are responsible to guard these children from that. Because let's be blunt here on some things. We have raised the first pornographic generation in the history of the United States. 
And we are now starting to see some of the results of it. And our schools are giving tablets to our kids, which that's our society. This is no bashing of the schools, but they're giving tablets. All right. I don't know. Is there any accountability software on there? But I'm going to tell you, you have to look at what they're seeing. If not, they are going to be exposed to this stuff at a younger and younger age. And it will affect them. It will affect them morally, spiritually. It will affect them sexually. And it will also affect them in their relationships with their spouses. Parents, you don't give your teenagers a key to a hotel room after prom. Then why in the world aren't you going to look at their computer to make sure they don't have this garbage on them? And trust me, I know it's there. All you gotta do is get up on Facebook and boom, it's there. He says, if it causes you to stumble, gouge it out. My computer's in my office, anyone can walk in there anytime, they can look right at it. You can see exactly what I'm looking at. As a matter of fact, you can even go on there and look at my history. Ben's computer is the same way. Connie got a new computer, so we're setting it up, but you know, same thing. You can get in there anytime. Purposely separate yourself from the Lord and from separate oneself from temptation, from sin. And then lastly, I guess I was wrong on this one. Um, one must purposely walk in obedience with the word of God. If God's word says do it, then do it. If it don't do it, then don't do it. When I was doing my walk around uh, this week, um, there in Leviticus chapter 19, and it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is great stuff. This is wonderful stuff. Man. And I'm sitting there going, this is great. Because Leviticus 19, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the assembly of Israel, say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ta-da! That's what we're talking about. And then he goes through this whole list. I'm going, right, this is part of holiness. It says you must respect your father and mother. That's part of holiness. It says you're not to turn to idols or, 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 or other gods. Yes, that's part of holiness. You are not to steal. You're not to lie. You're not to deceive one another. You're not to swear falsely with other gods or, or with my name. You're not to defraud. You're not to rob. You do not hold the wages back for those who hired, that you hired. Do not curse the deaf or put the stumbling block in front of the blind. Do not pervert justice. Do not go around splendid slander about someone else. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Do not hate the fellowship of Israel in your heart. Rebuke, um, and do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. Keep my decrees. And he goes on and on and on. I just got put a few in here. But I'm just going, wow. That's exactly what it is. It's just living a life. As uh, um, uh, Phil Robertson says on Duck Dynasty, it's where you're loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. So what's the result of this? You start to develop love, joy, peace, patience. 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, I, whenever I, I, I there, there's actually somebody in here right now, okay, that every time I read that list, I think of that person. There's somebody in here right now that every time I think about it, I go, that is that person. They're displaying the fruits of the Spirit. And for my Wednesday night group, we're going to talk about the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit this week. Not everyone has all the gifts of the Spirit. Not everyone has the same gift of the Spirit. We'll talk about that. But every one of us can have the fruits of the Spirit. And I will tell you, I would rather have the fruits of the Spirit. Because that's the evidence of God working. How many of us would not love to have love, joy, peace, patience? That's my patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You gotta want to be whole. You gotta love. Let's pray. Father, I pray for this church. May we be holy. May we Every one of us here spend time in prayer, Bible reading, fellowship. Oh, Lord, may it be so. And may every one of us here just enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. We pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Could you imagine, Abby, could you imagine? You're up here, so I'll pick, pick on you. Could you imagine a whole church of people who strive for holiness and how powerful the church would be if that was our main goal, was holiness? Wow. And we all have the fruits of the Spirit.